listener. In the last step of What's Under the Bonnet, we talked about range anxiety. The natural extension to that, charging. I was watching TikTok the other day and I saw this guy saying it was like 17 hours to charge his vehicle up from like his standard PowerPoint in his house or something. Yeah, I don't know like how that works. Do you need a full proper charging station or can you just use like a PowerPoint or something? Which one of them has like the fastest recharge time? Seems like we've all become conditioned to seeing that little lightning bolt in the battery icon in various parts of our daily life. So how does it work for EVs and what do you need to be mindful of? I've seen those like fast charging stations around, but wouldn't it cost heaps of money to put one on something like that in your house? So even if you did install one in your house, does that lock you into that car? Like iPhone chargers only work with themselves. Is that the same with the cars? It is very much like charging your phone, isn't it? You've got different plugs, different options. And then when you travel, you need adapters and so on. I can tell you, though, whenever I travel overseas, my phone is always charged and you'll always find a way to plug in your hairdryer. It is important to charge right to get the best battery life. Is it really as simple as plug and play? Hi, everybody. Welcome to Episode 2. Greg Rust and Nadine Armstrong with you for What's Under the Bonnet, all powered by Car Sales, brand new podcast series for EVs, for people thinking about electric vehicles, and for those of you who are maybe a little unsure and just want to know more. It is great to have all of you along for the ride. I can't do this without a good co-pilot, and I promise you, she is immersed in this project. I'm getting lots of late-night emails already. Nadine, you are loving this, aren't you? I am, Rusty, I am. I am all in, and it's really good to be here again. I've got to say, I've had a pretty busy time since we last caught up in studio, probably the same as you, juggling work and school holidays. Uh, We did get away for a road trip, though. Better still, we went away in an EV. We were in the Polestar 2. Yep, family road trip in an EV. Me and four kids on board. How good. Do you pick a podcast when you do that, or is there someone controlling the music? Who Who runs the entertainment? Yeah, it's always a negotiation. You know, it's like parenting, parenting. You pick your battles, okay? You pick your battles. Well, Sarah and I have actually had a little win because our eldest, since episode one, has hit the road. She's got her peas. Now, our youngest, you and I did a little bit of radio to promote what's under the bonnet. And in talking about that, my youngest daughter said to me, Dad, I'm getting my L's in about two years' time. And you know what? She wants an EV for her first car. So this is a great learning experience. I am getting Nissan Leaf texts and pics all the time from her now. So will my parental worries now extend to things like range anxiety, understanding charge and so on, which we spoke about last time? Yeah, absolutely. And it's highly likely our children will buy an EV for their first car, isn't it? It is. I I admit, I, I am still daunted at the thought of navigating charging infrastructure. I don't have home charging because I don't have off-street parking, and we know from episode one that I suffer from range anxiety, (laughs) but I know that understanding the network, you know, it's all about educating, so understanding it, it really does help with that, and I've embraced a variety of apps. There are many, many, whether it's good old Google or or you download an app, so I'm learning. I, I am learning, I'm trying, and I'm learning. Gosh, this really does feel like a confessional today already. Have you you got any other motoring sins you need to confess? It is important to talk about stuff in life, and that is what this show is all about in relation to electric vehicles. Coming up, someone on the inside who knows 
about charging. Uh, we're going to give you some great insights, hopefully debunk, decode a few things in relation to charging networks to set us straight on some of the key things that you need to do. Looking forward to talking to Chris Mills from EV Network. It's, in fact, Chris is standing by. And our Meet and EV segment, we'll talk to Shane Burford, who is a car sales colleague of mine, and he's ventured on many a road trip in his Tesla Model 3. Now, while he's ready to spruik the benefits of EV life, he's the first to admit that he's still learning the ropes. And our special guests today, and they're all special, our guests really on this show, if we're honest, but we are going to chat to a celebrity who made the switch, I think about a decade ago now, and hasn't looked back. He was an early adopter around the time that he was probably still on Australian Idol before he went to Bondi Rescue and The Bachelor. Oh, giving it away. Osher Ginsburg is on the show, so can't wait to get him on for a chat. And he's a very, very proud Nissan Leaf owner. Time to chat with our first guest. He is a board member of the Electric Vehicle Council, has worked in the UK and the United States extensively in the telecommunications industry, and these days is CEO of EV Networks, a role that he's held since July 2018. Chris Mills, hello. Hey, Greg. It's good to be with you. It's fantastic to have you on the show. Uh, We're talking in this episode about the whole notion of charging and trying to be more informed for some of our listeners to perhaps demystify a few things around this space. And this is your world, mate. This is the, 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 the landscape for you guys, isn't it? It is. But interestingly, when I very first started, I knew nothing about it. So everything was very foreign. And it's quite surprising how after just a couple of years, you get to know the ins and outs of the business. I think what you say, that that education piece is, is really key to this. You know, we talk about fast charging, we talk about ultra rapid AC, DC. It is confusing for people. So how, how do we help people sort of better understand, you know, the, the charging needs, what they do and don't do? So I think firstly, the big difference between electric vehicle charging and say the petrol station is that you can have different charges for different uses. In your home, you could install a charger. That charger doesn't need to be fast because you'll plug it in overnight and you'll have a good eight hours of charging. If you go to a shopping centre, you don't want to wait eight hours for a decent charge. You want to charge in an hour whilst you're doing your shopping. And then ultimately, when you're on the highway, you don't want to wait an hour for a charge. You want to wait 10 minutes, 15 minutes. And so that charger is even faster again. AC just means it's a slow charger. When you get into DC chargers, they become the fast ones. And you'll hear people talk about rapid and fast. They mean the same things. It's typically around 50 to 75 kilowatts. And then the ultra fast or the ultra rapid chargers, they go to up to 350 kilowatts to demystify that for the listeners. There's a really easy ready reckoner. The kilowatt charging rating for the charger is about the number of kilometres you'll get in your car in 10 minutes. So a 50 kilowatt charger will roughly put around 50 kilometres of range on your battery in 10 minutes. Just um, the way that, you know, filling up with petrol at the moment, it feels like a chore and, you know, charging your EV, people feel the same way. But destination charging, that's a bit of a game changer in this regard, isn't it? So I know EV are doing a lot in this space around, you know, that whole basically sort of multitasking, isn't it? You know? Yeah, it is a big game changer. It's a paradigm shift. Where people had to go to a petrol station to get petrol, electric vehicles liberate you from the need to go to the petrol station. You can actually, instead of going to get a charge, 
you get a charge where you're going. And so you can get a charge at the shopping centre. You can get a charge at the restaurant. You can get a charge at the local council library. So what we do is we look to place our charging stations at places where people look to go for their own purposes and then have the convenience of having a fast charger there so that they can do a top up. You know, we reasonably think between 75 to 85% of all charging will be done at home. And so what we need to do is think about where do we make it convenient for people to get a charge? And so the whole concept of destination charging is about convenience. And so we, we have three key criteria. The first one is it's got to be really easy to get to. You've got to be able to get to it no matter what side of the carriageway you're on. Number two, it's got to be safe and secure. So we make sure there's sufficient lighting, there's sufficient security, and there's enough sort of going around to make you feel safe. And I always use the analogy, would I let my 20-year-old daughter charge there at two o'clock in the morning? And then the third one for us is, you're going to be there for 10, 15 minutes. There's got to be something for you to do. There's got to be some sort of amenity, whether it be a shopping centre, whether it be food, you, you name it, a gym. There's got to be something for you to do because you're going to be there for 10 or 15 minutes. Chris, is there kind of a best practice around your charging needs and the way that you, you go about it? From, from a driver's perspective, the best practice, and, and people will, will quite quickly work this out, the best practice is to have solar on your roof, to have a battery in your home and, uh, and your car. And, and you get to the stage where you can actually charge your car for free. And if you've got a smart charger, which is, you know, where, where we, we are going, you know, in the next couple of years, most homes will have a smart charger. You can then start to actually have the battery in the car supply power to the house. Mm. So if it's not being needed, you can actually use the excess energy in the battery in the car to start supplying the house and vice versa. And people call that vehicle to grid and the like. Chris, we've got a bit of breaking news in this space, and I'm shocked that neither Nadine and I have brought this up earlier in the interview, but you guys are partnering with Red Rooster. Can we get fries with our charge? It sounds like we can. If you visit our site in Vermont, you absolutely <laughs> can get fries with your charge until the end of December. <laughs> That's awesome. I, I mean, I love this. If I'm, if I'm pulling up to charge my EV and I've got the kids on board, they are going to be whinging at me. But if I can offer them some chips, it's a win-win for everybody. Chris, before you go, we talked earlier in the interview about infrastructure. Just crystal ball gaze for us a little bit to to wrap this up. You know, let's if we fast forwarded five years from now around around people's habits in this space, around charging networks that you're familiar with in this space. What do you what do you reckon it's going to look like? The landscape. Okay. If you believe the energy market operator who produces a forecast of EV take up. Yeah, they think there will be around a million to 1.2 million cars on the road. We would probably have between uh, 500 and 600 charging stations built across the country. Uh, And we would be probably one of four major suppliers. You know, you you see the petrol retailers that are getting into it as well. Ampol have launched their very first site. You'll probably see there will be around uh, 1,500 to 2,000 sites that are deployed. So what will you see? I think people will continue to charge at home for the majority of their time. But as convenience charging becomes more and more and more convenient, what you'll find is they will take the opportunity to top up. The other thing I think that's interesting is new technologies come in to make it much, much easier. We're rolling out uh, credit card readers so that um, you don't have to actually own the app if you don't want to. You can just tap and go. That process is, is happening for us. 
But, you know, in five years' time, you'll probably have an automatic handshake between the car and the charger. So you don't need to do any of that stuff anymore. You'll just literally drive up, uh, open your plug, plug the charger into the car. The car and the charger will do the handshake. They will authenticate and then, you know, the charge will just happen automatically. So you can literally plug it in and walk away. Great work, Chris. Um, fabulous insights for our listeners today. Thank you for, for doing that. And Nadine and I look forward to dropping in for some fries. <laughs> Thanks for coming on the show. <laughs> Terrific. It's time for everyone's favourite segment title, Meet an EVer. Shane Burford is 12 months into his EV ownership, a Tesla Model 3 Standard Range Plus, and Shane admits the environment was not his key motivator for ditching the Bowser. Shane, thank you for coming into the studio. Great to be here. Well, we know that you're not a hardcore environmentalist, which is fine, but what was it about an EV that drew you in? Yeah, so when I first started looking, I was really just looking for a car that had the safety features. And that's because I don't really like driving and I'm not very good at it. So uh, <laughs> I wanted to be able to, uh, yeah, get those safety features. So that's what I was really looking for. Obviously, when you start looking around at those sorts of cars, you, you naturally stumble upon the Tesla. They've got the autopilot and stuff like that. Uh, so yeah, that's what drew me in. So Shane, with 12 months ownership now under your belt. Tell us how things have changed from, I don't know, daily drives and, and road trips. How are you going with all that? Yeah, for sure. So I uh, I use my car to sort of drive around Melbourne pretty much. Um, so sort of like city driving and also some sort of interstate travel. I've been to Adelaide and to Canberra. And I guess over the year, I've noticed like there's so many more EV drivers out on the road. So getting to a public charger is really quite challenging now. One of the big things for me was like getting a, a charger installed at home because that allowed me to like just leave the house every day with a full charge, sort of like having a full tank of petrol whenever you leave the house. You don't really need to worry about, you know, ever running out of charge, which is really handy. We had range anxiety as our topic in episode one. Have you suffered from any of that at all? Yeah, for sure. I... um uh, really interestingly, I went down to Wilson's Promontory, about four hours south of uh, Melbourne, and uh, it's quite remote. And so uh, I didn't have a charger at home at the time and needed to get charging on the way. There was only one charger on the way. And I was almost flat when I got to the charger, which was, I don't know, about three quarters of the way there. And uh, there was only one charger. So if it wasn't working, then um, it would have been a real problem. Luckily, it was working, which is fine. But shortly after I arrived, another EV arrived and they had to wait for me to finish charging and then wait for their charge to finish as well. So it would have been really painful for them. <laughs> you get a chance to have a, a chat to a fellow EV owner, right? Yeah, they didn't seem too grumpy about it either, which is kind of <laughs> handy. <laughs> That's another thing I'm really keen to understand. Some people have explained that when you use the sort of public apps to check on charging infrastructure that you can actually chat to other drivers I've seen people sort of say, yeah, this one was great and there's a good coffee shop close by. Have yeah. you experienced some of that? Yeah, it's amazing. And you really need to. So for PlugShare, which is the the main one to, to find all the charges in the area, really important to go in and check because as soon as one goes out of um, service, normally there's someone in there sort of commenting. So you can sort of plan your trip around where the, where the charge is going to be in service. And also for the long long distance sort of travel, you've got to be able to find where the nice cafes are. So I think that managing road trips, and, and you talked about the um, the Adelaide trip. I know that you know you sort of factored in stops and got to see things along the way. It sort of it forces us to sort of stop and enjoy 
the surroundings as well, I think. Yeah, for sure. Driving to Adelaide with the electric car was by far the most pleasant experience. I had three stops, each of them 20 minutes. You sort of like, you line up your stops for one uh, areas where there's sort of nice little cafes and stuff around it. And uh, on the way to Adelaide, it was just really nice because every few hours I got to have, you know, a toilet break, get some snacks, have a little bit of a rest. And uh, when I was driving there, I had to stop in Keith, which I would have never stopped at if, if I didn't have to. So yeah, it was really nice. Shane, are you the lone ranger within your circle of friends and family in relation to EVs? Are you are you finding that through some of your conversation about this so that that you are championing the cause a bit, or are there more people in your space than than we realise that are that are on board and EV users, and and this is sort of common within your your group of friends and family? Yeah, no, not common at all. I don't think I know anyone else in my my friendship group that has an electric car. I've got a friend who who works at a dealership who who has all the cool new new cars and drives them around. But but yeah, I'm the only one. But I don't really need to. So like people do ask me questions, but I don't really need to do much convincing with petrol prices as they are. The yeah, well done. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's a fairly easy story to yeah, tell exactly. these days, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. So what kind of conversations do you have with friends? Clearly, they'll ask you about your new EV. Is there, are you, do you feel like you're a bit of an, an ambassador now, the trailblazer amongst the, <laughs> <laughs> amongst the uh, cohort? Uh, yeah, I guess so. I don't, I, I don't try to be a bit, uh, I don't try to be preachy to my friends, but, you know, talking about petrol prices is really handy. You know, it costs me about $10 to fill up and it costs them a lot more <laughs> than that to fill up. I love the the app. Like, you know, a lot of my friends in their petrol cars don't have the ability to turn on their you know, air conditioning or heating before they get in the car. So that's really nice. Before we let you go, do you have the dream car or is there a dream EV for you that you'd uh, you'd like to perhaps own in the years ahead? I think if I could have the dream electric vehicle, it would either be the um, BMW i4, I think it's called, or iX4, sorry, or the Tesla Roadster that's coming out that goes, I think the Tesla Roadster is going to go like a thousand kilometres on a, on a single charge. Yeah, I think I think the new product coming is, is going to excite a lot of people. It's it's one of the things that, you know, years ago there were few products to talk about, but now the product lineup is pretty exciting. So there is something for everyone. Shane, thank you for chatting to us. I, I feel like you absolutely talk to our listeners because you don't have to be an EV enthusiast to buy an EV and make the most of it. So thank you. We really appreciate your time today. Thank you. Great being here. Right, let's launch into the latest EV news now from home and abroad. You can stay up to date too between episodes just by following our car sales social media channels and make the electric hub your go-to when it comes to all things interweb. So carsales.com.au forward slash electric. Carsales.com.au forward slash electric. Couple of interesting news items around. Why don't you start with this Canberra ban, this future ban of new petrol and diesel cars, and it doesn't sound in relative terms like it's that far away. I know, I know. They've had a massive push from the ACT to stop the sale of combustion-powered cars next decade, which isn't that far away. So planning to halt all sales of new combustion engine vehicles by 2035, which is a huge push from ACT. Is it doable, do you reckon? Oh, potentially for, for ACT landscape, I, I, I guess, yeah, start start mm. in one region um, and that hopefully will filter through. But, yeah, big call, big call from Canberra there. 
Yeah, AMP. I mean, they're a, they're a uh, a city based around uh, government and leadership, aren't they? So maybe they're taking the the first step. And and the charging infrastructure in Canberra is top notch. I'm told. There you go. Now you know you know me and what I'm like, right? French Formula One Grand Prix, very recently <laughs> Paul Ricard circuit. But where am I going here? The debut of the Alpine A110e convertible concept. Good-looking car and some some great things in and around it. I mean, 440-kilometre uh, range, 60-kilowatt uh, lithium-ion battery. Not not all that much heavier than than your standard ICE vehicle. Pretty on par with the, the turbocharged fours, if you like. Renault say, tip of the hat to its prestigious past, but with a 100% electric future. The eye on the, the electric future or commitment to that. Do you like the look of it? I do. I, I love the Alpina. And this is just, you know, an iconic car reimagined, isn't it? This is what we'll see a lot more of. Yep. I, I think, you know, and 440k range is ample, isn't it? Yep. It's, it's not It's not the most that we've got out there, but as we've talked about before, it will be plenty enough for the average commuter. From memory, too, rear-mounted, which is really cool. Just digressing for one second, interesting yarn here on a new battery deal that Ford has done. Now, I think from memory it involves BHP raw materials, but working with a Chinese battery maker. And they're looking at ramping up to 600,000 units a year from late 2023, so 18 months away. And then they're targeting 2 million by 2026. I love that all of these news stories that we're talking about it seems like a long way away, but 2026 is really not far away. Not is at it? All. And the fact that we've got a lot more news stories in the Car Sales Electric Hub, you know, the news is on the increase, education is on the increase. There's a lot happening out there. Mm. And on that note, let's talk about the Commodore that could have been. What? Be sure to check out, be sure to check out Chevrolet's big plans for EVs. Now, the Blazer EV, oh, there's yes. a story yes. on, yeah. I mean, it looks really good, doesn't it? You've got to mm, admit. It does. And, and uh, I mean, I, I love history, right, and trying to, um, you know, would we would we have adopted uh, the Commodore with this kind of configuration? Maybe we would, we would have called it something else, but to think that we could have potentially um, – Kept, is it correct, correct, yeah, maybe. <laughs> what well, could have mm. been, coulda, shoulda, woulda, yeah, it's an age-old story. Look, now let's head to some global news, Rusty. We're about to hear from our car sales member on the ground in London, Johnny Mahoney, who's reporting from Dusseldorf, and he's at the launch of another icon, Mini, but this is the Mini Aceman concept, so it's the next generation EV from Mini. It's not every day that the Mini brand launches an all-new car. In fact, the last car it launched was back in 2017. So that explains why I'm here in Dusseldorf in an achingly cool suburb, because I'm here to check out the all-new Aceman SUV. And of course, it's all electric. So first impressions are it's exactly what Mini needs to be making right now. It's a small SUV. The news is it's going to be an indirect replacement for the five-door hatch. It also heralds Mini's next-generation design language, which is a lot simpler with less sort of design fripperies in, in, on the outside. Inside, it's also got what's claimed to be a very close-to-production interior, which is sort of very simple. It's just got a steering wheel and like this large discus-shaped infotainment system. It's also going to sit between the three-door hatch and the Countryman, which is going to go up in size to make room in the range. I actually think that's quite cool. I mean, while we sadly lost the Commodore, it's pretty clear the Mini's not going anywhere, is it? 
It's such a fun little car and it makes so much sense in EV form. I love it. Yeah, agreed. It makes a lot of sense in EV form. So there you go, a quick little bounce around the world and we've kind of covered different manufacturers in all four corners, haven't we? We really have. You look at Mini compared to Chevrolet. It really is something for everyone. I know I've talked about that before, but I love the fact the product lineup is expanding because that's what we need. If you have um, a particular manufacturer that you are passionate about and you're wanting to know what they're doing in the EV space, uh, you can email us, podcast at carsales.com.au. And for all the latest news in between podcast episodes, the one place you've got to go, carsales.com.au forward slash electric. We call it our electric vehicle hub. Very excited about our next guest. Somehow he is ageing in reverse. Hate him already. Uh, been on our screens for 20 years from Australian Idol to the voice of Bondi Rescue and the finder of Love on The Bachelor and more. But did you know Osher Ginsburg is a very proud EV owner too and he's been a champion in this space for quite some time. Been on that EV train well ahead of most of us. He's on the line. Osher, hello. Welcome to What's Under the Bonnet. I'm so happy to to be here and what's under my bonnet uh, hasn't been an internal combustion engine since 2011 and I'm very <laughs> grateful to come and talk about it. <laughs> what what prompted you to do that back then? Well, my I'm two of four brothers and we were a house that always had you know various always holdens uh, uh, Kingswoods and wagons and things in various states of building and unbuilding and rebuilding in our driveway. So cars have always been a part of our family. My younger brother now works for Ford in Dearborn, Michigan. He's like right. Awesome. Oh yeah. Marty's like, he went to Shanghai for a while. He was, he started in Melbourne, went to Shanghai and now he's in oh. Michigan. He's like at the tip, tip, tippity top. He was visiting me in 2009. Uh, he was over, I was living in California. I lived in California for about 10 years. And about midway through, he came to visit me. He goes, dude, we've got to go drive this new this new electric car thing. It's based on a Lotus. I'm like, really? He goes, yeah. Some guy started PayPal or something. We're going to go test drive it. I'm like, okay. And so we went to the dealership. It was the uh, the Tesla dealership on Santa Monica Boulevard. And um, we we talked. Oh, yeah. I don't know. This is my brother. He's I do Australian Idol in Australia. Yeah, I'm a big deal. Yeah, he's a really <laughs> big deal. I don't know. Okay, I'll let you test drive it. And this thing was like, you know, one of 20. It was made of carbon fiber. It was just quarter of a million bucks worth. It had 6,000 laptop batteries in the trunk. <laughs> and the, the guy, Mark was his name. He was an ex-Porsche um, Targa rally champ. And now his job was to test drive these things. So I got behind the wheel of the Model 1 Roadster. I drove it with John and we're coming down Mulholland Drive, and which is a very, very windy kind of ridgeline road. And there's a sign up that said that says 35. Now that means 35 miles an hour. And he says, take it at 70. I was like, what? He goes, trust me. I was like, <laughs> all right. Anyway. I took it at 70 and this thing, it was like the 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 number 16 of St. Kilda. It just went, it just took a hard 90 degree left-hand turn. <laughs> and it, it was like it was on tracks. I'll never forget, after we drove, we, we got out of there and I was driving a SUV at the time and we drove down to Santa Monica to um, just kind of watch the sunset and have a talk about what we just did. And as we drove away, we're like, that's it. It's ne- It's never going to come back. This is going to be electric forever. And we knew that in 2009, he and I. And now he's over in, you know, the States selling hundreds of thousands of F-150 Lightnings. Uh, (laughs) So pretty soon after that, it came time to trade in that SUV and he called me up. He goes, what are you doing? Get a Leaf, get one. 
get they're just amazing you know there was a the design uh was, was really interesting and the battery is really interesting so i got a leaf in 2011 and i've been driving electric ever since i've never i've never ever haven't owned another uh, ICE car since then that's incredible. I mean, that's that's a decade. I mean, EVs are top of mind for everyone now, but a decade ago they weren't. Like that, so that was a bit of a yeah. leap of faith on your part. What were some of the conversations and the, and the things you were talking to, you know, your mates and saying, oh, "What are you buying a leaf for?" Well, I think it's 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 pretty simple. It's it's coal miners driving Teslas. You get anyone behind the wheel and you let them push <laughs> their little right foot down, and they've bought the car within five seconds. Mm. That's yeah. it. That's it. As far as charging infrastructure, mm. what would it have been if you bought one of the first ever Model A Fords that came to Australia? You would have had to bring all your own gas with you everywhere. There was no infrastructure for liquid fuel. The conversations I was having with people uh, when we were talking at dinner, they were like, hey, where'd you go? Let your car for us, is it? I dro- and I showed them the app on my phone and I said, I drove uh, 500 miles with 800 Ks. I drove 800 Ks for five American dollars worth of energy, five. And this is at a time when gas in America was four fifty a gallon, which is, it was a lot. It's like, it was like $1.60, $1.70 Australian. All you've got to do is talk to people about, just get them behind the wheel, let them feel the feeling against their right foot, and then see actually how much money they're paying to get from here to there. Who cares how those jewels get into the wheels? That feeling that I got driving down Santa Monica Boulevard in 2009, that feeling of, hang on a second, to get to my grocery shop, I have to wait on a, on a unit of energy that has been sucked out of the ground 10,000 kilometres away, piped to some giant refinery facility, shoved into a boat, sailed for weeks and weeks across the ocean, pumped into a huge tank on the coast there in Queensland, and then, you know, through a tanker, driven across the city, and then pumped into the, and I'm supposed to think that's convenient? When I can put a solar panel on my roof and plug my car into it, you've got to be shitting me. (laughs) And it's free. If I put a solar panel on my roof, I can charge my car for free. So case closed, man. I I love the fact that you've brought up just the notion of charging there because that's the overarching topic of of today's episode. Yeah. How does daily life for you, you know, sort of revolve around that? Are you planning at nighttime? You're you're, you're putting it on charge so you've got enough for the next day. What sort of simple things are you doing just so that the the leaf is, is good to go? Well, look, as I said, I've been driving this in lease for 10 years now. All right, I've, I've never driven another EV. I think I had three in the States and I've, I'm have i on my um, my second one here. I bought an, I bought an, I used 2012 one when I moved back and I drove that until forever. And then I sold it to some bloke up in Port Macquarie and he loved it. Charging is no problem. The first edition Leaf was like 24 kilowatt battery. The great fallacy is like, how, long's our, how long do we actually drive in a day? We actually don't drive that much. The average yeah. Australian commute, I think, is only 20 minutes twice a day. So it's less than 40 Ks. Like, to be really, truly honest with yourself, how far you actually drive in a day, you really don't need that much. We think we do, but we don't. That's all gone now because, like, in less than 10 years, the exact same size battery pack that I had in my first Leaf from my 2011 Leaf, the same size battery pack now is 63 kilowatt hours, like triple. So I have, like, 370, 400 Ks in my battery now. So I don't even, I don't even think about it, right? I mm. really don't even think, I never think about it. Range anxiety is a thing of the past. I truly don't, it doesn't even cross my mind. If I'm doing a really long trip, like um, we shot a TV show called The Bachelors up in Queensland and I drove 
And there's a really brilliant app, a brilliant app. It's called ABRP, a better route planner. Why I love it is you can program in the weather. And we were relocating for three months. So I had a heap of stuff in the car, all the toddler stuff, everything. So you can add weight. So I put an extra 250 Ks of weight and it calculated out how that would affect my range. It also takes into effect weather and temperature because temperature is a factor when it comes to EVs. Yes. Mm. And I had the most seamless drive. I mean, I'm nearly 50. I've got to stop for a pee every couple of hours anyway. So (laughs) (laughs) let's not kid ourselves. Let's not kid kid ourselves. The days of when I was a roadie and just like hammer and tongue from Brisbane to Rockhampton, they are gone. Like two hours in, I'm like, oh, dude, I've got to walk around for a while. (laughs) I I get sore if I'm sitting around for an hour and a half. You've got to stop every two hours anyway so your brain doesn't shut off. But it's just... I don't even think about it. I really don't even think about it. It, it's, it breaks my heart, guys. It really breaks my heart that the Australian local and federal governments haven't had to have that incentive of traffic pressure and air quality pressure to implement the EV infrastructure. When I drove that, that trip to the, to the Goldie, right, it's just the most wonderful car to drive because it's quiet, dude. There's no engine noise, none. All you hear is the wheels on the road. I, I love this because I do believe that, you know, that an initial myth around EVs was, oh, they're boring to drive and they're not fast and they can't be dynamically rewarding. I love that. That's I, I really never driven one. Yes, because the first time you get behind the wheel of an EV, it's like, oh, okay, I was completely wrong on that regard. Yeah. But, I mean, it's fair to say you are certainly an, an early adopter for the EV, but this filters through to other parts of your life as well, doesn't it? So, you know, you're passionate about your solar energy and charging back to the grid. But look at things also like people worry about battery life. And I know that Nissan in particular, they're looking at, you know, end of life for, for the vehicles and recycling batteries. Tell us a little bit about that. I know that excites you. Oh, yeah. Look, there's no kind of, there's no kidding around it. If we want to not walk from here to there, there is going to be some impact. How can we minimise or offset that impact? For example, the the batteries from my first leaf, Nissan are repurposing those batteries to use them in um, their manufacturing process. So they act as essentially a, a storage ballast in their um, in their factories. I think there's one in the UK that's got a particularly large one. They you know get power when it's cheap to get the power, and they store it in all these kind of you know X fleet car batteries. And then when the power cost is high, they then draw down on that power that costs them less when they when they bought it and they use those batteries that used to be in cars as part of the manufacturing process so real proper circular manufacturing but with any of these things you can't let you can't let perfect be the enemy of good we just we just don't have enough time we just do not have enough time we've got to get carbon out of the atmosphere and stop putting carbon into the atmosphere as quick as possible otherwise that you know little toddler that you met before the world he grew up in is going to look very very different but the thing is that the world he grows up in um he'll be able to drive cars that are so fast and so fun compared to my crappy kids who <laughs> did not like a cold morning you know it's a very very different world we can hear your young one in the background we know you're a proud dad mate time is is going to beat us here but we are nadine and i both said before you came on air today i bet we we get schooled here. I bet we get schooled in this yeah. in this space. Did we, did we really think this through, Rusty? No, I don't know if we really thought this through. And you know what? What I have learned that that as you go with all your brilliant broadcasting work, mate, if ever the opportunity 
to play Dr. Carl in a movie comes across your desk, you are the man. You are the man. I am an electric mobility enthusiast. We also have uh, a bicycle. I think, I've, I think I 1.6 kilowatt hours on my, on my bicycle, right? And it's got a seat for Wolfie. It's got a, a, a seat for Audrey and me. We can hockey strap the beach umbrella and the blanket and everything we need. And we can ride our bike from here all the way to the beach, a couple of Ks. We don't even have to look for a park. Otto, you're doing an incredible job to help us on, on this journey of, you know, demystifying the EV life. And, and it's coming from a, a very holistic place. And I love that as well. So it's not just about tailpipe emissions. And, and I think there's a, oh, a really, why? really huge message there around. Yeah. <laughs> why does anyone put solar panels on their roof? They don't do it because they love green tree frogs. They'll do it because they want to save cash. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. Yeah, it's the same with your EV, you know, and just get behind, come get behind the wheel of my leaf. I'll put it in, in go mode because I don't drive it in go <laughs> mode. And you come around. I'll, I'll turn the traction control off. Joy rides and at you, Osher's uh, house. You tell, you tell me how much fun you have. <laughs> we, will, we will take you up on that, mate. It's been fabulous to chat to you about this. The passion just uh, just oozes through in, in every sense. Congratulations on all the stuff you're doing in the broadcast landscape, mate. And, uh, and we look forward to coming around. For that, uh, yeah. for that go mode at some stage, that'd be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, mate, you can't you can't be what you can't see. That's that's the other thing, man. My 2012, I drove it into the Nissan dealer there in Alexandria for its six year service, and I clocked it out. And that guy called me about an hour and a half later. He goes, oh, "Yeah, it's ready." And I came in. He goes, "Oh, that's one hundred and ten dollars." And I was like, what? <laughs> and he says, you kiss him. yeah, I know, man. Like, I can't believe it. Six years, it should be like 800 bucks. Like, I know. <laughs> because there's like, not, there's just not that many moving parts. So the, the reliability is, is brilliant. And that's the other reason I absolutely love it. I, I drove that 2012 on forever. But I'm grateful to have the new one. The 63 kilowatt hours is sick. <laughs> what was that line in Back to the Future? Uh, vote one for Osher Ginsburg. Pros, uh, was it Progress is his middle name? Thank you, mate. Thank you for yeah, talking to Osher us. Osher is on. a word for Progress. It's not, let's say it is. <laughs> <laughs> it's awesome. Awesome to have you on the show uh, today, mate. And thank you for sharing the passion with us. No worries, guys. Thanks for having me. Before we go today, World EV Day, 9 September. So it is just around the corner. We will talk about that next time as well. To celebrate, we're going to be announcing the Car Sales Best EV Award for 2022, Nadine. Isn't that a sign of how far we've come in Australia, Rusty? I mean, we've now got around 25 pure EVs on sale in Australia. Not all affordable, I will admit that. But there are literally dozens more coming in the next 12 to 18 months. The fastest does zero to 100 in just over two seconds. I love and, that. Yeah, I, love I know, that. I know. <laughs> and we're seeing, you know, real world driving range up around 600 kilometres from one charge. I mean, this is a good news story. Sure is. So we will cover that extensively. It'll be a, uh, a signature episode in our season that is what's under the bonnet. It's wonderful to have you with us for the ride. Don't forget, we've still got lots of charge left. Uh, you can check out <laughs> Car Sales Electric Vehicle Hub in between. Between episodes. Go to carsales.com.au forward slash electric. We would love you to tell your friends and your family about what's under the bonnet. Give it a share, leave a review, and be part of the show too. And you can do that really easily. Just get your get your phone out, easily record a voice memo of say 20 to 30 seconds on your phone, and you can email that file directly to us, podcast 
at carsales.com.au. So little voice memo, podcast at carsales.com.au. Email it to us with your question and uh, we'll try and tackle a few in coming episodes. We're out of time. Nadine, thank you. Any little uh, any little things you're going to be driving in the next month in the EV space? What's coming up? You know what I might do? I'm making a pretty big announcement here. On 9th of Ooh. September, I might get myself a Kia EV6, and in honour of World EV Day, I might plug in my hairdryer and do my blow dryer via my EV6. <laughs> How's socials. that? We want, we want this on socials for what's under the bonnet. <laughs> we want proof, all right? <laughs> I'm, I'm rejoicing. You know, this could really transfer. I might even go camping now. Oh. <laughs> hey, if, if that happens, you have changed. If you suddenly become a camper. All right. All right. No? I, think, I think it's time to sign off. I'm making all sorts of broad statements here. Well done, you. Thanks, uh, thanks everyone, for joining us for this episode. And we look forward to uh, seeing you on the road in an EV. Be safe when you're out there. And we'll catch you next time. Bye for now. production.